When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was thinking, well, that's that's the end of our running. But yeah, it was it was, it was a strange one because I was cramping in my, one of my toes, which was sort of going up the front of my shin. And then as I sort of set off to try and get down the other end, I cramped in my that calf as well. So I was cramping both sides of my lower leg. And as I went, oh no, I'm cramping, I cramped in my left hamstring at the same time. So I was like, I've got both legs. And then I had a back spasm when I hit the ground. <laughs> so I was just like full body. Well, that was Glenn Maxwell after his historic knock overnight. I'm struggling to talk because I was I was up way too late watching the cricket. Welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm Menners. I'm joined by my co-host James Baisley from Queensland Cricket. James, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, Menners. Uh, I got uh, probably a little bit more sleep than you did, mate, but I definitely stayed up for um, the first half of that game. What an amazing knock. Yeah, yeah quite incredible. Um, so we've got a lot to talk about in this episode. We're going to go through that uh, amazing performance from Australia last night. We're also going to talk about the timed out controversy. I'm curious to see hear James's opinion on that one. Then we'll wrap it up with a bit of domestic talk. There's been some action in the Marsh Cup and in the Marsh Sheffield Shield. You can see me plugging the sponsors because I've been brainwashed when I commentate for Cricket Australia. But that, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that because there's been an amazing 100 by a young New South Welshman that is actually brought about a New South Wales victory in the Shield. So a couple of bits of history today. Um, but let's start with the game overnight, James. Australia playing Afghanistan, a crucial, crucial match. Australia needing to win to get into the semifinals. Afghanistan bat first, make 291. They set it up and then they have Australia 7 for 91. And everybody's mm. thinking Australia's going to lose here. This is going to be historic for Afghanistan. Australia is now going to be in a bit of a shootout for the semifinals because it looked like their net run rate was going to take a massive hit. And then we witnessed what many pundits have said is the greatest white ball knock in history. And this is not just coming from me, a one-eyed Australian, but Michael Vaughan and commentators from around the world have, have called this the greatest white ball knock ever. And I'll just read out the stats. So Glenn Maxwell, obviously 201 not out off 128 deliveries it's the highest ever score for an Australian in men's ODI cricket it's the second double century by an Australian in ODI cricket after Belinda Clark's double it's the highest score um it's the only ever the third world cup double century Chris Gale and Martin Guptill scored a double century each before it's the first ever double century in a run chase Maxwell is the first player to score an ODI double ton while batting at three or lower. Uh, it, uh, Maxwell and Pat Cummins put on 202 not outs, and it's the highest <laughs> partnership for the seventh wicket or lower in men's ODI cricket, knocking off a Pommy record, so that's good. It's the second fastest one-day international double century in men's cricket behind Ishan Kishan's 126-ball effort. It's the highest chase by Australia in a World Cup. And get this, 
Cummins and Maxwell put on 202. Glenn Maxwell scored 179 runs of that partnership. So that equates to 88.61% of the runs scored, which, as you'd imagine, is the highest ever percentage of a batter scoring in a century partnership or above. So, I mean, that's a cavalcade of stats, James. But, Mm. I mean, that is – I don't know how much of it you saw, but the hitting from Maxwell was just mind-blowing. Absolutely incredible, wasn't it, Manners? Yeah, I didn't see it live, as I said before, um, but watching the highlights uh, numerous times today just to kind of work out far out, how has he done this? You know, this is just incredible striking. Obviously, the cramps threw in there at the end there, but, you know, the rock wall, Paddy Cummins down the other end as well, playing his part. Um, It was well orchestrated. Um, and it was just clean, clean striking of the ball all around the park. Um, pretty special. I don't know. As a player, sometimes you're in those those moments where someone's going quite hard against you and hitting the ball cleanly, and you think <laughs> it's one of those times. Yeah, I'll, I'll eventually hit, he'll eventually hit one up. I'll eventually get out. No, it was clean. It was um, amazing, and it was 200 runs out of 290, which is just bananas. So unreal. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because I mean, I, I was, you know, Australia was seven for 90 and I was thinking, I'll just watch a little bit more. And then Max, Maxi started going and I'm like, oh, you know, if it, I was like, even if Maxi scores a hundred here, we're still going to lose by a hundred. Um, mm. So I was sort of just hanging in there. And then as it just, the partnership went on and on and um, you know, the drama around his um, uh, cramps was, was something to watch live because, I mean, there was a lot of stoppages in play. At one point, he was just lying, like reverse planking on the ground. His back, everything was cramping. And, you know, Adam Zampa came down from the dressing room, the next batter in. And, you know, at one point, you're thinking Maxie's going to retire Herc here. And uh, the word is that the physio said to him, look, if you come off, you're probably not going to be able to get back out there. Your body will Mm. shut down. So you're actually better off if you want to stay out there as long as you can. Just keep swinging. (laughs) Just keep Keep swinging. And and Maxie was talking about it in the post-match interview that because of the cramps and everything, he he actually couldn't move his feet. He couldn't move around the crease. And he was just kind of swinging naturally. Like, I mean, he's a great golfer and, and stuff like that. But, you know, I think it illustrates, you know, the importance, you know, he just kept his head still watching Mm. the ball and, just allowed his talent and bat swing to take over. And some of those shots were jaw-dropping. He played one reverse lap over third that just went 50 rows back. And that stage you couldn't walk, so I don't even know how he was able to do it. Um, so just, yeah, just incredible. And, um, you know, Afghanistan rue a couple of drop chances. I think he was dropped in the 20s and then he was dropped um, by Mujib on 33, an absolute sit-up. So, you yeah. know, that could wreck Afghanistan's World Cup campaign. He was given out LBW on 27, and he thought he was plumb, but Pat Cum was at the other end and said, no, I think that's going over the top. And he, he reviewed it and uh, got a reprieve. And from that 33 drop, he, he just didn't give another chance. And, you know, Pat Cummins just stayed at one end, 12 not out of 68 deliveries, and and Maxi did all the work. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if you know much about the history of white ball cricket, James, but I was sort of thinking about, you know, is this the greatest white ball knock ever? And, um, you know, I know there was a famous innings in the probably 80s, early 80s, where Viv Richards put on a massive partnership with Michael Holding. And same figures, Viv's like 180 not out, Michael Holding makes 10. 
Uh, but that was West Indies batting first, setting a target against England. You know, doing it in a chase, there's, there's just so much more pressure, isn't there, James? Yeah, definitely. There definitely is a lot more pressure. Um, but then there's arguments to say that for Maxi's case, he'd been dropped a couple of times. He should have been out. He got to 30, thought, righto, I'm going here. It's make or break almost. And then once he got going, he was kind of like, you know, he was just having a day out. Um, and then the cramps come in and it's almost like, okay, well, I've just got to stand still and, and swing. And sometimes that can actually, it can really just be simplified for you, if that makes sense. Um, and you just kind of yeah. go, well, um, you know, I've got to get this done here now. Um, I'm obviously rest- restricted and I'm limited by my, you know, physically. Um, but he's some of the positions, as you said, like he was able just to have a still base, a still head position, swing the bat. And um, there's actually some technical brilliance in that, really. Definitely. And uh, he, he actually said that when he was given out LBW and he got that reprieve, he sort of thought to himself, I can't just hang around here. I've got to actually yeah, move it on. score yeah. some runs. And um, just, as I said, so I was there, James, and I was thinking, there's no way Australia can win this. Like, you know, I was thinking Maxwell have to score 200 here. And, and he didn't. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I sort of thought I was dreaming, you know, finished around 4 a.m. And, you know, I looked at my watch an hour later. It was 5 a.m. And I was still buzzing. And I was sort of um, listening to some uh, commentators who were over in the ground covering it. And they were buzzing as well. I mean, it's just one of those just incredible moments in cricket that I don't think anyone will ever forget uh, who mm. saw it. Um yeah, so just phenomenal. And, and what a sort of – I think the last week kind of encapsulates Glenn Maxwell's career. It was the fastest ever World Cup century against the Netherlands, then falls off a golf cart and has to miss the game against England and comes back and scores this history, history-making double century. Mm. Yeah, exactly right. That sums it right. I'll have to go play golf tomorrow. Um, so a few more things about the game so Afghanistan batted first and there was a couple of team changes for Australia so Mitch Marsh came back in after Mm. having to leave the squad so he went back to number three Steve Mm -hmm. Smith uh, didn't play due to health concerns he's got a bit of vertigo nothing Mm -hmm. to do with your um, campaign to get Marnus in that spot James I'm afraid it was due to vertigo so (laughs) so Smith was resting that one so Marnus Labashan gets another reprieve the man you just can't drop and also Marcus Stoinis came back in for uh, Cameron Green. So mm. um, I think sort of a, a pretty um, – the sort of lineup we're expecting. Um, but so yeah. Afghanistan bat first. They win the toss and bat first. And Ibrahim Zadran made Afghanistan's first ever World Cup century, slightly overshadowed by what happened later on. But he batted magnificently right throughout the innings, carried his bat. He was 129 not out. And it was almost a classic 50-over performance from Afghanistan they laid the foundations they were going around sort of four and a half and over and then in the last 10 overs you had a series of cameos Asmatullah 22 off 18 Nabi 12 off 10 and then our old mate from your teammate from the strikers Rashid Khan uh, 35 uh, not out of 18 deliveries they gave Afghanistan the kick at the end to get the target mm. to 291 um Jeez, you'll be looking forward to playing with Rash, won't you? Definitely. More of that, please, Rash. That'd be great. Exactly. Um, and for the bowling for Australia, Stark, nine overs, one for 70. Again, a patchy performance from him. He hasn't quite been able to string together a couple of 
good performances. Josh Hazelwood, two for 39. Maxwell, one for 55. Cummins, none for 47. Zampa, 10 overs, one for 58. Again, consistent from him. And then Travis Head and Marcus Stoinis bowled four overs between them. But I, I thought it was a fairly good bowling performance from Australia. I just don't think they quite nailed the death bowling at the end there. And um, mm. Afghanistan were able to sort of capitalise on that. But I thought Afghanistan played really well. I mean, yeah, you know, what, what stunned me about that innings was the maturity they showed. You know, yeah. I know it's not old. You know, I know everyone knows their development has been quite striking. But, you know, they've certainly shed that tag as like the easy beats. I mean, that was as good as performance with the bat as any other team in the World Cup would put together. Yeah, and what I liked about it was is there's obviously been some patterns around batting first this World Cup and the success that that's brought, but there's been some big scores too. There's been your 300 pluses. And I think from Afghanistan's point, they probably, they might have got, you know, sucked into feeling like they had to get such a big score, you know, against Australia, but they were disciplined at the start. As you said, they were well measured. They adapted to the conditions um, they played what was in front of them and then they ended up getting, you know, what was a good score what, what at, at some point looked like, you know, an unbelievable score. They backed mm. themselves with their spinners to, to, to bowl um, and, and get us out. And obviously, you know, nine times out of 10 at seven for 90, they probably win that game. So um, they played really, really well and they have played really well in these conditions in India. Yes, definitely. Cause the, the key the key danger for Afghanistan is they, they lose a few wickets in the power play and they can't can't recover from that, but they just mm. laid the foundations, played beautifully. Mm. Then Australia came out to bat in reply and Travis Head went in the second over, uh, caught behind off Naveen Al-Haq. Naveen had said a few words in the lead up to the game about Australia boycotting a bilateral series and not boycotting mm. this game. So I, think he, so I think he enjoyed that wicket, but it was, yeah. it was actually he was getting the ball to really swing. Uh, yeah. in Wayne Kelly Stadium there. And so Travis Head was out uh, for a duck. Then Mitch Marsh was out for 24, uh, brisk 24, but wrapped on the pads by Naveen Alhuck again. Um, good ball just off cutter or in swing into Marsh's front pad. I guess that's where he's slightly vulnerable technically. And that had Australia two for 43. And David Warner tried to swing across the line one. He was bowled for 18 off Azimatullah. And so Australia 49 for three, and then it gets worse. Josh Inglis comes in and first ball wafts at a wide one, and he's caught at first slip for a golden duck. So it's four, uh, four for 49. That brings out Glenn Maxwell to the crease. And then Manus Labashain. Well, this is the, I'm going to, you've got to bring this up because Manus is your mate. So Maxwell really stitched him up here. He, he just not n- nudges one into the onside, calls a very tight single. Manus does hesitate. Um, which probably cost him his wicket in the end because he was just out, but I probably don't think there was a single there in that situation. And uh, Marnus, poor Marnus gets run out for 14. Um, you know, what I love about Marnus is he just cannot hide his emotions. Like he looked devastated. He was lying on the ground. He, you know, his eyes are hollow. You know, he's, I mean, you've been in the dressing room with him when he gets out. I mean, what's he like when he comes back into the sheds after getting out? I mean, feels like he's ready just to give up the game every time. <laughs> Uh, far from that, definitely. But there's definitely, yeah, he's definitely very disappointed, uh, Manus. And I think, 
he's a lot better now than um, probably was when we played on the 17s and 19s together. There's some funny stories of of him, but it's just passion, isn't it? He's got mm-hmm. so much passion, it's emotion. Um, you know, in a chase like that last night, he would have felt like he was a big part of gluing it all together, um, you know, which he was. And, you know, no one ever wants to get run out. It's not a nice way to get out, but um, it happens in cricket. And unfortunately, he got run out, so... Well, what is, in those under seventeens and nineteens, what do you mean funny stories? What does he chuck a wobbly or? Oh, just kicking and screaming, and you know maybe throwing a little bit of gear and having a bit of a soup when he got out. Yeah, you didn't really want to be want to be um, around him um, because he just yeah hated getting out, and he still hates getting out, and um, that's probably why he's what well, makes him so good as well. Yeah, I'm still getting over the cold toasted sandwich thing from that test documentary. That, <laughs> that, did my, so for those that are listening, Manus in the test documentary, he toasts his cheese sandwich and then he puts it in the fridge um, and then he eats it a bit later on. Was that a bit or did he actually do that? He doesn't do it anymore, I don't think. Um, he did it for a little bit there. Um, and Manus, once he finds something, he, he enjoys something new. Um, he goes with it with a little, you know, for a little bit and, you know, for, for it became a little bit of a part of his routine as we saw. He kind of made his toasty, put it in the fridge, went out a hit, came back. So it was just a routine thing for him. It's, okay. he, he's just a man of routines like that and sometimes he finds little new things and they almost just freshen him up and he goes with it for a little bit. But I don't think the cold toast is stuck around for too much longer than that. It doesn't sound too appealing. Um, no. So he was our run out and then Stoinis and Stark went pretty quickly to Rashid Khan. And at that point, Australia was seven for 91. Afghanistan were all over us. They were up and about. Rashid Khan was all fired up. I mean, he was loving it. He was, they were just really enjoying dominating Australia. And um, I was starting to think about, you know, what this will mean for Afghanistan to not only beat Australia, but, you know, that, if they did one mm. last night, they would have had one foot in the semifinals. But yeah. instead, we just witnessed just an incredible partnership. And what happened at the end was so exciting. Ma- uh, Maxwell was on 195. Australia needed five to win. And then he just flicked a six over the onside and went to his double century, brought up the win for Australia. And um, I, think, I think Pat Cummins um, tweeted something out today about, you know, um, Pac, uh, Glenn Maxwell gave him good support out there um, as a bit of a joke. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just exactly. what a finish. What did he say? He goes, Pat Cummins, a lot of credit should go to Maxwell. He played his role beautifully. Um, I like the sarcasm there from Pat Cummins. Um, and there were, there were shots as well of Andrew McDonald getting quite emotional uh, in the, almost coming to tears. And, um, yeah, just, just, just a brilliant night for the team, brilliant night for the country. Um, and I, and I, I don't think anyone will ever forget. And I just hope it translates into us making a run at this title, you know, yeah, let's win definitely. the semi-final and get into that final. And then you never know what happens. But, mm. yeah, I, I hope this isn't just a sidebar from a, a, a campaign that comes to an end. Yeah, agreed. All right. So Australia qualified for the semifinals. They, they're pretty much going to play South Africa next week. Um, and we all know about the history between Australia and South Africa in World Cup semifinals. Um, I was lucky enough to be at the match in 1999 that was tied where there was that famous wow. run out. Um, and then in 2007, we absolutely 
um, destroyed South Africa in the World Cup semi-final there. I think they were five for 30 after 10 overs and the game was gone. So they have all those demons. If ever a team has demons in knockout cricket, it's South Africa. So mm. hopefully that gives us a bit of an advantage. But, you know, trends are meant to be broken. So I wouldn't take them too lightly. They've been in good form and a dangerous side. So um, a lot to look forward to next week with that World Cup semi-final. Absolutely. Can't wait. All right, in a moment, we're going to take a quick break, but this episode of Cricket Unfiltered is brought to you by NordVPN. Now, if you want to get a special offer, head to nordvpn.com forward slash cricket unfiltered. The link is in the show notes, but it's never been a more important time to use a VPN than right now. With the rise of cybercrime all across the world, you can protect your private browsing data when you use a VPN and give yourself peace of mind that all that information will be secure and um, you, the VPN will just give you that peace of mind. Also, if you're following the cricket from various parts of the world, you can use the VPN to switch your virtual location so you can use your sports viewing app wherever you are so you'll never miss a ball of the World Cup. So head to nordvpn.com forward slash cricket unfiltered to take advantage of the great offer they're offering our listeners and i urge you to go and check it out because you'll never miss a ball of the cricket with nord vpn you're listening to the cricket unfiltered podcast i'm menace i'm with james baisley and we just talked about australia's famous win and now the night before I honestly thought when this happened that cricket fans should get a day off work because we had the first ever timed out dismissal in international cricket. That's right. In 150 years of international cricket, it had never happened before. Sri Lankan player Angelo Matthews was timed out when the Bangladeshi skipper Shakib Al-Hassan lodged an appeal um, because what happened was, for those that haven't seen it, Angelo Matthews strolled out to the crease, was out there within two minutes, but then his chin strap broke and he wandered off to replace his helmet. At that point, one of the Bangladeshi team said to the skipper, I think if you appeal here, Angelo Matthews will be out. Shakib Alassane appealed. The umpire, Chris Gaffney, said to him a couple of times, are you sure you want to go through with this? He said, yes. And uh, Angelo Matthews was told to, to get off, you're out. The first ever timed out in international cricket. I mean, what do you think about that, James? Oh, I don't like it, Menes. I do not like it at all. Um, yeah, my take on it is it's, yeah, it's poor. I mean, his helmet broke, clearly. So where's the common sense in going, yep, righto. Well, obviously, I mean, he did take his time getting out at the start, which, which you know, probably cost him in the end, but he got, he did get there in the allotted two minutes to the middle and um, go to kind of get ready to face up his helmet broke. I think there's some common sense to go, okay, well, the guy needs a new helmet. We know that's important. Hitting on the head, getting hit on the head is, mm. you know, around those concussion protocols and everything. That's not something to play with. So get a new helmet and where, you know, we push on. That's my take on it. Just a bit of common sense, um, a bit of smarts. It's just, yeah, it was not very, not very good. Pauling. No, no. And What's I'm going to give everyone, well, I'm going to give everyone a little bit of a break in the fact that it's such an unusual shit situation. I don't think anyone really knew how to handle it. So I think everyone's mm. at fault to a in a little bit of it. Like I think Angelo mm. Matthews probably should have, when the strap broke, said to the umpire, 
my yeah. strap's broken. Can I replace the helmet? And if the umpire had said, well, if you do that, I can give you out, timed out, maybe he'd have just faced the ball off the spinner and then changed his mm. helmet and he wouldn't wouldn't have given that out. I thought the umpires could have said, no, that's not out. He actually was out here ready to face up and his chin strap broke and just used some common sense. And I don't think anyone would have really had a problem with that. Like I don't think there'd be people arcing up, I should have been given out. And I also think Shakib Alassane shouldn't have appealed. I think, mm. you know, I'm all for people, um, you know, I'm all for the game to keep going. And had Angelo Matthews been on time wasting on purpose, then sure, appeal and, um, you know, give him out. Shakib Alassane said, I'm in a war. I'm in a war, and if there's anything I can do to give my team advantage, I'm going to do it. And part of me respects that, like, no bullshit mm. attitude, like just mm. to the rules of the rules, you're out. Um, so so do you think sort of, you know, I heard Robert Craddock um, from the Courier-Mail up your way comparing it to the Johnny Bairstow dismissal that, um, you know, they're, they're both kind of in that spirit of cricket area. Well, what do you think? Um. Oh, I wouldn't really compare it to the Johnny Best though dismissal. That was quite clear, you know. There's a crease line, you're out of it, and you've been run out. So that's that was pretty clear cut. Um, you know, this was there was no cricketing skill involved in this at all. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's simply a clock, and and obviously that equipment malfunction. So I wouldn't compare it to the Johnny Best though dismissal too much. Um, I think it's a lot worse than that in terms of the spirit of cricket. It's it's a lot worse than that, um, appealing for someone to be timed out with uh, an issue with his helmet, et cetera. But uh, you, you've put it well there. Like Angelo could have been better. The umpires could have been better. Um, and Shakib could have been better as well. But there's a first yeah. for everything, so we'll see what happens now. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot to ask for Shakib to be better. He's had a troubled history in cricket and um, just another incident that will go into the annals. And um, and uh, just the fact that, you know, why don't think you compare it to the Johnny Bairstow dismissal is, and this is something that's never happened before in, in international mm. cricket. It, you know, plenty of players have been out um, wandering out of their crease stump like Johnny Bairstow did. I mean, this is, you know, almost a technicality. Um, um, and and that's, you know, I sort of respect Shakib Alassane's kind of, um, you know, balls to just go, well, stuff you all. I mean, wicket's a wicket. I don't care how I get it. Um, but, I, but I just think you're right. It, it, you know, when a player's equipment is broken, it, that's that's just, I don't know, there's something just doesn't feel quite right. And, mm. you know, I just wonder now if there's a, it could be a new little tactic of equipment sabotage going on in uh, cricket mm. teams to start loose, you know, just go into the opposition's dressing room and just start loosening chin straps and, you know, pulling out a few stitches. <laughs> exactly and, right. Get a few cheap wickets that way. Um, But I just, you know, like two nights in a row, and I've been lukewarm on this World Cup, but two nights in a row I've just, like, stopped what I'm doing and just been glued to the television. Um, And I loved it when Angelo Matthews got Shakib Alassane out. He just held his his hand up up to watch and said, time's up. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, and then I I just can't believe, you know, Two nights we've seen that innings from Glenn Maxwell, and we've seen to timed out. It's it's cricket nuffy heaven, actually. Mm, absolutely. All right, so that's the international stuff. So the World Cup marches on. Australia due to play Bangladesh on Saturday night, and then the semi-finals will be next week. And really, it's just the the fourth spot now in the the semi-finals that's open. You've got Pakistan, um, you've got Pakistan, Afghanistan, and 
New Zealand all sort of vying for that fourth spot. So there is a bit to play for in these last few games. All right. Yeah, definitely. Let's turn our attention to the local scene. So we'll come back from India to wonderful domestic cricket. I've been um, ensconced in the the action um, the last week. I want to talk about a, a, a couple of things. Firstly, the Marsh One Day Cup um, is still go, is, is humming along, humming along. Uh, mm. WA are on top, but New South Wales beat WA on the weekend, and they are now level on points and just behind WA on net run rate. Victoria sit third, Tasmania fourth, Queensland fifth on seven points, and then South Australia having a bit of a horror run in the comp They're down the bottom on one point. There have been a couple of games since our last recording. Queensland, tough loss to Tasmania. Tasmania, 8 for 376. Queensland, in reply, 348. You played in that game, Baze. I did, yeah, I did. Definitely a tough loss, yeah. So I saw Caleb Jewell made a nice 137 for Tasmania. He's a player to watch. Um, yeah. Really talented. He's, you know, mid-20s. I think he's just sort of hitting the peak of his career. What was it like? Did he, did he give you a bit of tap? Yeah, a little bit. I've actually bowled pretty well to Caleb, but um, yeah, he got off to a nice start. It's I've seen him play a few good innings now, and it probably wasn't one of his cleaner um, ball striking efforts. At times, he hit some balls that landed just near fielders and and whatnot. But um, yeah, he's a player that when you miss you miss your lengths or your line, he makes you he makes you pay. Um, and he's got some nice hitting ability too for an opening batter. So yeah, it was a wonderful knock and. It set up the game for them to be in a wonderful position where we had to have a you know a really special day out chasing it, and we we batted pretty well, but it fell about thirty short. Yeah, it's a couple of games I think where Queensland have been really in the hunt for these big chases and just haven't been mm. quite able to finish them off. Um, how did you go? I saw you bowling, leaked a few runs. Um, mm-hmm. how, how you know how was it good to get out there, get the the maroon on of the, the Queensland side. Yeah, it was it was wonderful to be out there again. Yeah, definitely leaked a few runs in a high scoring game. Um, you've got to be really disciplined, and I yeah probably bowled. Yeah, it's it's as it's as simple as like you know four or five bad balls that go to the boundary, and that's twenty extra runs. Um, so yeah, you have a flat wicket, a, a short boundary. Um, your margin for error is small, but uh, it wasn't too bad. Um, and then my batting, I. Gave myself a bit of time at the end there, but didn't quite get going when we needed to. So that was a shame. But, um, yeah, you need a lot of things to go your way in a chase like that. And and we probably, um, yeah, were one or two too many wickets down going into the last 10, 10 overs. Yeah, well, hopefully you get out there again soon for the Queensland side. I think they're due to play um, pretty soon. Um, there's, a bit of, there's a few more games before the... Um... The break no, more and Marsh, then... no, no more Marsh Cup until February, Menace. No more for you. Wow, okay. Because we've yeah. got uh, – there's a couple of games, um, Tasmania play Victoria, Western mm. Australia, South Australia. So they're the last two. So you're all now T20 focused now. So a lot of range hitting, working on your variations. Is that what's happening? Uh, yeah, still still uh, preparing for four-day cricket as well. There's still, still two two shield games left. So, um, yeah, I'm still doing plenty of Red Bull practice. If I'm caught upon there, I'll be ready to go. Um, and then doing some – I'll start to do some T20 work and build up for Big Bash, yeah. Excellent. The tough lot for Queensland there. Good to get your insights. 
James. And then uh, the other result I mentioned, Western Australia were beaten for the first time this season in any format in the Marsh mm. One Day Cup on Saturday. They batted first, were bowled out for 216. Will Saltzman took four for 48. He's a youngster to watch out for. He's got a lot of energy. Um, I saw him bowl in the previous Marsh One Day Cup game. And, yeah, like him. And then young Blake McDonald hit 81 in the chase and, New South Wales won by two wickets with six balls remaining in the Duckworth Lewis Stern adjusted score, and that took them up to second on the ladder, just behind Western Australia. But I know you won't like to hear this, but nice to see a few little positive signs from New South Wales cricket because I think it does add to the whole competition. When New South Wales are firing, it's good for the comp. Yeah, definitely. And I'm you don't sure have to agree with me. No, 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 no. I agree with that. That's healthy competition. Um, and I know last podcast we spoke about, you know, them probably underperforming with some of the players that they have. They have a strong list. So, yeah, if they start to put it together, um, that'll be good for them and, and make the competition stronger. Yes, so they got the win. Um I said, Will Saltzman's a player to watch out for and, and Blake McDonald as well. And then we move on to the Sheffield Shield. And, uh, well, New South Wales have ended their drought. So they last won a Sheffield Shield game in February 2022. So that's a season and a half ago. I never thought I'd hear those words. Um, Western Australia and New South Wales at the Sydney Cricket Ground. So what's interesting, James, it's a new, newly relayed pitch at the SCG. Um, at the end of last season, they dug it up and put new grass on there. And it's actually quite bizarre. They've, they've gone on the outside of the square. They've got a U.S. grass called Tahoma grass. So the pitches on the outside are different to the pitches in the middle, which is a, a Santa Ana grass, which is the same grass they use at the Adelaide Oval. Um, mm-hmm. So you're going to get some variety out in the middle square, but it's um, a fresh pitch. And you could see that because there was a lot of life and um, New South Wales won the toss. They elected to, to bowl Western Australia bowl out for 141 in the first innings, which I thought was probably overs the way New South Wales are batting. I thought, well, Western Australia might not even have to bat again here. Um, and then New South Wales, their top order was completely destroyed again. And I'm thinking, well, this is going to be another New South Wales loss. So at one point, New South Wales were four for 71. And I thought, oh, this is all over. And then Ollie Davies, in just his third Shield game, peeled off 129 of 143 balls. He partnered with Moses Enriquez, who made 51. That was actually his 100th Sheffield Shield match, just the fifth New South, New South Welshman to play 100 games. Just a James, I cannot explain to you what a good innings that was from Ollie Davies. That pitch was tough. The bowling was good. Joel Paris can get the ball to swing around corners, and he mm. just smashed them. He took them on, didn't he? It was Ollie David, Davies style as well, which is, um, I guess, pleasing to see as a young player who's confident in his own ability um, and perhaps being backed by you know their their staff and their captain too to, to play the way he wants to play and play that attacking brand because. Essentially, it comes out in that position and you can, I guess, feel the pressure and you can tense up and be tentative um, and, you know, just be another a dis- dismissal waiting to happen, I guess, manners. But for him, it was not, I'm going to turn this game around, put pressure back on the bowler um, and I'm going to get my team into a position where we, you know, have a nice first innings lead. So it was a great knock from Ollie. Oh, it was, and it's just what New South Wales needed. And I've been saying for a little while, they should just pick him. I mean, just pick some aggressive players. You know, it's not working. Whatever they're doing wasn't working. Pick someone who's just going to go out there and have a crack. And and it's exactly what 
the, the game situation needed. All New South Wales needed to do was just get get in front of Western Australia and get a healthy first mm. in his lead and dominate mm. the game. And so he's made in first class centuries for Ollie Davies. Um, some scintillating stroke play. Go and watch the highlights on cricket.com.au. And that meant um, New South Wales got a lead of 125 and um, sorry, 135. And uh, then they bowled out Western Australia for 136. And so they just needed to chase one run, which they got. Um, but the, the real hero was Chris Tremaine, who took the first five wickets of the Western Australian innings. At one point, he had figures of five for seven, ended up with figures of five for 35. And they bowled out a very strong WA side for 136 and won by 10 wickets. So finally, that long drought for New South Wales cricket is over. And you know, I'm glad it was on the back of a youngster because I think that's what you know gives me heart for the future. Yeah, definitely. It was a great win from New South Wales. I know it pains you to say that, James. <laughs> you, got, you got the words out. It there. does. It does. I got them out. I got them out. <laughs> um, so, and it looks some interesting stuff there. Cameron Bancroft batted well in both innings, made a half century in the second innings. Lance Morris played and he is quick. Ooh, mm. up close. Um, very, very quick. Um, yeah, and I think as well that new pitch at the SCG is going to be really interesting. Oh, I just wonder how it's going to play over the summer. Uh, so keep an eye on that one. So that was the Sheffield Shield. The other games are still going on. I think Victoria had a, a draw in their match um, today against Tasmania and Queensland are playing at the moment against South Australia. So Queensland lead by 235. South Australia lead Queensland at the moment by 235 runs with five wickets remaining. So that could be set for a thrilling finish tomorrow. Um, yeah, I get tomorrow off. I was supposed to commentate on the last day of the WA New South Wales game, but uh, get the get the day off. So get the day off. So you'll be watching yep. a little bit of South Australia get, uh, versus the Bulls. Absolutely, that's it. Always have the shield on. Um, so just um, so that's the last of the Sheffield Shield. Just turning our attention to WBBL very quickly. Uh, so great news! I'm doing a special WBBL series over the next couple of weeks, where I'll be interviewing players from the clubs. Um, just recording an interview with Hurricane star Naomi Stallenberg. Going to be talking to some players about the WBBL. Um, so if you're a WBBL fan, there's lots of great interviews coming. At the moment, though, the Thunder, the Strikers and the Heat are all on top with 10 points. Um, there's been some great cricket played there. But, look, it's moving so fast at the moment. I don't think there's um, too much benefit in us going into details because by the time you listen to this, there'll be another six games. But I guess my only thought at the moment, um, James, is on the ladder, you've got the Renegades and the Stars down the bottom and the Sydney Sixers just above them. And I mean, I love seeing the, the Victorian sides down the bottom. I mean, I just love bashing the Stars. Like the two things I like bashing are the English cricket team and the Melbourne Stars. Um, but um, you know, I don't think it's great for the competition when you've got three clubs in the biggest markets languishing at the bottom. So I'd love to see the Stars and the Renegades turn that around um, just towards the back end of the comp. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they can get on a run. That was about where we were last year with the, the Brisbane Heat and then we won a lot of games in a row. So they can they can get on a run down there just having a look at it now. Um they're about halfway yeah. through the comp, so you're damn right. Yeah, they are. They've played seven. They've won two. They win five of their next seven. They've won, you know, half of their games, which, you know, could get them into a, a semi, sneak them in. So um, they could get going, but it looks like it's going to be tough work. 
Indeed. All right. And um, just want to wrap it up now with Can't Let It Go, which is that little bit of cricket news you just can't let go through to the keeper. I've got a couple. Um, so firstly, um, I got some correspondence from a listener now. But but leading into the World Cup, I was asked by the network that I the podcast is on to just do a little promo um, about Cricket Unfiltered, and I said, um, you know, unlike the Ashes, there can be no ludicrous claims of moral victories. One team will lift the cup, obviously referring to um, English claims of being moral victors in the Ashes. And then I got this email, coincidentally, just after England were knocked out of the World Cup. This is from a, another humorless English fan. Hello, Andrew. I just wanted to suggest your promo for your Cricket Unfiltered podcast is not the most helpful as it polarises every expat English cricket supporter living in Australia. The words ludicrous moral victory are ludicrous if you look at the definition of a moral victory in the dictionary and then put in bold, means that although they have officially lost, in Ash's context drawn, a contest they have succeeded in showing they are right about something, England with a better team. Even the most seasoned cricket follower agreed that without the two days of rain at Old Trafford, England would have won the Ashes. Well, that's complete BS. You never know what would have happened. And then, then he just takes a stab at the end. Good luck with your podcast. I will continue to listen to Test Match Special and the Wisdom Cricket Podcast. Thanks, Richard, as I call him Dick. Um, I always love to hear from the, the fans and the listeners um, and, you know, just make, you know, humorless English cricket fan cannot take a joke. Um, so I thought I'd read that one out. Can't um, let it go, can you? No, can't let it go. Clearly not, no. Um, do, you, do, do you have any bit of cricket news you want to get off your chest? No, just the timeout. Can't let that go. That's yeah, about no. it for me. No. But yours is better. <laughs> Good. And, and the last, I've got one last uh, can't let it go. You know, people say to me, oh, Menes, you get a bit emotional, you're a bit of lunatic sometimes. Well, you know, Jared Waitley, who is considered to be one of the most professional and measured cricket commentators in Australia, went on the radio and called the Poms graceless pillocks. So, you know, if Jared Waitley, who is so measured, is going on and calling the Poms graceless pillocks, I think I'm right. I mean, I think I deserve apologies. I'd like Richard to write back in and apologise. I'd like, and you know, the funny thing is, James, like, you know, all these idiots that say, oh, I'm never going to listen again, they always come back. They always come back, you know. It's like there, there is that, you know, people can hate listen. Like, I don't mm. expect every Pommy fan to like me. And, um, yeah, and I sort of feel like this year, the, the cultural differences between the two countries have really been exaggerated. And, um, you know, I just don't think that's going to change. So you should enjoy it. You know, you know, I, you know, I don't mind the palms. Like I'm just, you know, they're, they're annoying. That's all. <laughs> I like it, man. It's well done. They're good. All right. Good. All right. Well, that's it for this edition of cricket unfiltered. James, what's the plan you're playing on the weekend? Playing club cricket on the weekend, yes. Uh, supporting the Bulls tomorrow, uh, training tomorrow, and hopefully the Bulls can chase a nice shield win there and then playing on Saturday. Great. And then when do you head across to the Big Bash? When does Jason Gillespie get his mitts on you? First week of December, I'll be heading down, um, which Great. will be good. And our first game's on the 9th in Adelaide. So, yeah, it's, it's getting close, man, as for that. So I'll get myself ready for that. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Oh, I can't wait as well. It's going to be great to talk to you throughout the Big Bash occasionally and just get your insights into playing um, for the strikers and 
um, you know, they, they, they've got a great culture over there with Dizzy and Ryan Harris. And um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's going to be a fantastic experience for you. Yeah, definitely. Can't wait. All right, listeners. Well, that is it for this edition of Cricket Unfiltered. We'll be back um, after the Australia v Bangladesh game, which fortunately starts early on Saturday afternoon, 4 p.m. start. So just perfect for um, just putting the feet up and watching cricket for the rest of the night. And um, also those WBBL interviews I'll be pushing out over the next couple of weeks. Um, I just want to give people an insight into sort of the players and the competition and um, yeah, what their sort of perspective is of the WBBL players. So been really interesting so far so i'm sure the listeners will enjoy it awesome manners sounds good thanks everybody back soon see ya this is a piccolo podcast production sports social podcast network